Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Lunchables podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. In each episode, we'll be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. This week, we are joined by an incredibly talented actor who played a big role in my childhood, and I think a lot of you 90s babies out there I am talking about Alisa Reyes, who was an original cast member of the sketch comedy series All That on Nickelodeon, alongside Keenan and Kel, Amanda Bynes, as well as voicing La Cienega Boulevardez on The Proud Family. She has also been part of the All That revival on Nickelodeon, as well as the reboot of The Proud Family on Disney+, Plus which recently was in the news for adding Kiki Palmer to the already stacked cast. She also serves as executive producer for an upcoming documentary all about Nickelodeon called The Orange Years. We're going to actually be having the directors of that documentary in a few weeks, but she served as an exec producer on that. And it's an incredible doc all about how Nickelodeon really came to be the powerhouse in children's programming. Next week, We're going to be joined by perhaps the greatest voice actor working in animation and children's programming of all time. I'm talking about Rob Paulson. His credits would probably take me days to read on the podcast. He has over a thousand items on his IMDb. He is best known for his work on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Animaniacs, which is getting a revival at Hulu, Pinky and the Brain. He played Carl on Jimmy Neutron, Rick and Morty. It's literally insane. I know I say every episode how great our guests are. But if you only listen to one future episode of The Relunchables, make it the one with Rob Paulson. You won't regret it. Anyways, let's get right into my interview with the one and only Elisa Reyes. And I had to do a toss-up between playing the intro to All That and The Proud Family because she was in both. But I went with All That because it's flat out a classic intro song. So take it away. Press out the box. Stop. Look and watch. Ready yet? Get set. It's All That. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm such a huge fan. It's it's incredibly remarkable given that both All That and The Proud Family have seen such a revival. Yeah, it's 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 really surreal uh, to be uh, blessed with being on two shows with such yeah. a full circle moment. And I, I knew it was going to transpire. It was just a matter of time because at the end of the day, when you watch programming now, there is a huge distinctive change that happens. I would say what every at least five to 10 years within writing and within um, uh, material. So it's like that old magic formula with the proud family and with all that on Nickelodeon, if it ain't broke, why change it? So hence why it's kind of coming back and just being tweaked a little bit. As I like to you know, say, I like to think our generation grew up during the time of the best children's programming. And I think it's really smart you know, for Nickelodeon to kind of bring all this back, kind of capitalize on, you know, I think our generation now getting older, have kids of our own showing that to the next generation. And this is just, you know, just so applicable. And we'll get to some of the things about the proud family and all that specifically that I think has aged really well, but it's just remarkable. I'm so excited that, you know, both are back. 
I'm excited too. I, I kind of want to go all the way back though and kind of start at the beginning. You grew up in New York City, is that correct? Born and raised Manhattan, New York, yes. Awesome, yeah, I'm from Westchester myself, so right outside the city. Oh, I have some family in Westchester. Oh yeah? Yes, I have family uh, throughout throughout Pennsylvania. I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, my family grew up, my mom's actually from Pennsylvania, got rest her soul, and I, I love, love, uh, Amish country. I just love, I do. I'm like, I'm obsessed with, um, their furniture. I want a rocking chair legit. Um, but it, there's just something really just beautiful about Pennsylvania. Just, I don't know. It's really green and lush and beautiful and, and, and living out in here in California, I'm spoiled as well, but I do miss my East coast every now and then. hundred percent, especially when it's just like 80 degrees every single day in Los Angeles and you get no sense of what's it's can't believe it's October. It's like 90 degrees out. We're spoiled for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you always know growing up that you wanted to work in entertainment or no? Oh yeah, it was in my blood. I mean, I think I knew coming out of my mother's womb, but <laughs> of course you can't. I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't start as a child because you kind of really don't know what's happening at nine months. You know, some people, they do start young, but I started around, I would say seven, but I was vocal about it even earlier. But seven, eight is when I started in the business and I was very blessed to have a supportive family. Of course, I had a couple family members that were a little concerned about, oh, she's going to lose her childhood. But realistically, it just enhanced my childhood. It gave me what I like to call my chutzpah. Yes, I'm Jewish, so I know chutzpah. You know what that means, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and literally, I feel like, you know, it was a blessing to have family listen to my passion and allow me to pursue my dreams because then I can only just be the best version of myself. Yeah. And I think we've seen even there was a recent documentary on HBO called Showbiz Kids, kind of about this whole thing. And, you know, talk to a lot of child actors and how it could go, you know, as you know, extraordinarily in the other direction and be, you know, a complete nightmare. And I think Shia LaBeouf documented that in his last film. And I'm just curious mm -hmm. for you growing up, going to a performance arts school, how much of this was driven by what you wanted versus, you know, your parents or teachers or, you know, people around you? Sure. Of course, everyone's always influenced, but I feel like I was raised enough to be able to be grounded within what my own authentic, organic intention is going to be in life, which, you know, um, from day one, I told my family that I wanted to be an actor, that I wanted to sing, that I wanted to dance, that I wanted to take gymnastics, that I wanted to do what I like to call, you know, tapping your head and rubbing your stomach. <laughs> so um, it was never, ever forced upon me, ever. If anything, you know, my grandmother, God rest her soul, would have probably preferred for me to stay in the business, uh, gone in the business a little later in life, you know, because she was concerned about certain aspects of my childhood not being fulfilled. But like I said, it only enhanced it. I'm an only child. Oh, wow. It was pretty much my mom and I. And so for us, we were able to kind of be like, you know, two little birds and fly. A lot of families don't have that opportunity. They have to literally sometimes uproot. So what transpires a lot is you have a mom or dad having to take the child to different jobs or relocating. And then you have one parent that has to stay grounded in one state. So that can cause a little turmoil because it's separation uh, from the tribe, from the pack. So for me, it's really about the card that you're dealt with, but how do you turn that negative into a positive? Sure, there's always going to be, like they say, um, rain, but then a rainbow comes out. So that's my theory. Sure. And your mom sounds like a superhero, to be honest, because it is so much, you know, balancing her own life and her own career, but also being there for you and supporting you. As you mentioned, at that age, you need somebody there. You need a parent. You need someone driving you to auditions. You need somebody to be an advocate for you. So it seems like she was a big part of your life. Uh, she was. I miss her every day. And I, I, I literally, you know, I hope I'm making her proud, but she really was my rock because without a supportive family, I can only imagine a person having all these goals and dreams, um, and not being able to have them be fulfilled and sharing them with other people. So yes, I'm in gratitude for that every day of my life because she literally, she dropped everything to allow me to go do all that on Nickelodeon. My mother was very well established within her career. She had worked for the board of education for like 25 years as a wow. dietitian. And before that, she was an established hairdresser, had her own hair salon show. She was a working woman that was a single parent raising me. You know what I mean? And, and for me to be able at 13, 12, 13, to go to a whole other state yeah. and, and uproot my life for a couple months, you know, not everybody can do. Some people will do it, but it's, it's definitely 
it's, it's a, I don't want to say a challenge, but it's a shift. It's a shift in everything. It's exciting, but it's scary. But then once you're in the alignment, you're like, oh my God, let me ride the wave. I never want to leave, you know? <laughs> How did you have, you know, the chutzpah, as you said, to kind of realize that, you know, you could do this. You know, I don't know if you had somebody in your family, aunts, uncles who kind of pursued a career in the arts, or you saw, you know, just watching performers on TV, maybe in theater in New York. How did you have that just gusto to know that I could do this? Well, I'm Irish, Italian, Dominican. My father's Dominican. My mother was Irish and Italian. So I came from a number one, a very strong female, feminine household, a lot of great aunts. Um, and, and my grandmother was a strong influence, strong, strong warrior spirits. And then you have my dad who my mom, God rest her soul. She used to go when she was pregnant. I pray that Elisa has my husband's you know, sass and dance. And I pray that she has my brains and, and my hair or whatever. And I kind of feel like I got the best of both worlds. I'm so blessed to be able to say that I am a melting pot of diversity, you know, and, and that's what I definitely feel is a blessing for me to be a diverse actor and being able to be hopefully what I like to call a role model for children's and for children and adults, because I do do younger content as well as adult content, but always from day one, I've always been very specific on the roles that I choose. So I like to be able to be that reflection that I want to see in others, sort of say, if that makes any sense. I got a little deep, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, no, that's, I think that's important. And I kind of want to get to, you know, just the old that casting process. And, you know, I think they, you know, did a nationwide search for talent. How did you get approached or, you know, was it through an agent? How did that come about? I, well, like I said, I started around seven or eight doing commercials, doing modeling, doing industrial work, um, doing music videos, background work. I mean, I was very blessed to have paid my dues at a young age because when I was that age, I didn't care so much about maybe paying my dues because I didn't even feel like I was paying my dues. <laughs> a lot of people that start something later in life, if they have to say pay their dues as I'm doing quotation marks, they're a little like... Uh, why can't this come a little easier? Oh, this is a little frustrating. And, 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 you know, we sometimes get ego involved as a kid. Ego is really irrelevant because we're mm -hmm. innocent and we're inner child. Um, so uh, I lost my train of thought. What was the question? Cause I got all deep. <laughs> <laughs> this is how the old that casting process, you know, happened. Yeah. So going back, starting young, I, I got a call from an agent when I first finally segued into auditioning for more scripted work as a kid. And she goes, there's this great sketch comedy show. It's nationwide. Uh, they don't really know what they want, but they want a melting pot of kids, but you got to go in and kind of have your own shtick. And she's like, Alisa, you're crazy. You have a million and one personalities. And so she goes, you should just go in and give it a whirl. And you know, a lot of my co-stars had, uh, a lot of comedy experience. Some were coming in out of boot camps. Some were doing stand-up comedy shows. And for me, I was just rotating, doing some TV, some film, some commercials. And comedy was something I always wanted to do. And they say it's the hardest thing for an actor to do. So doing it at a young age was kind of a blessing in disguise. But I'll be honest with you, I went in so authentically just being myself. Hmm. And I made fun of myself and my family and everything on top of it. Because they always say, as a comedian... A great comedian, if you can't make fun of yourself, you can't make fun of nobody else. So I just, you know, had fun, did their shtick that they threw my way. And by the grace of God, this is what I like to say, seven auditions later, seven auditions later, oh I God. finally, by then, by like the third time, I knew like the secretary's name. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I could put my feet up on the couch. No, I'm teasing. Because we auditioned in the old Viacom uh, well, it's not the old, it's still there, the, the, the Viacom MTV building where they used to do the show TRL. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Carson Daly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, you know, that's the offices that we auditioned out of. And, you know, the rest was history. I never looked back. You know, we hear all these stories from like former SNL cast members about the crazy audition stories. And, you know, they have to do, you know, a sketch they have to come up with. They also do an impersonation. Do you remember what that audition process was like for all that? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember they gave us like a script and it was a scene opposite of someone. And uh, there uh, and I do remember there was another actress that was there that was like, a part of one of the auditions. And I remember looking at her going, she was very tall. She was very pretty, but she looked a lot older. And I know that I was kind of the age range where they were looking at, I was like, she's way too old. <laughs> she may have been only like, like two like years older. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, 
and, and so they gave us this scene, but what I do remember two things distinctively was I used to have a lot of hats on my wall. And so my mother was like, what if you took all of the hats, you put it in a big grab bag, and every time you take out a hat, you put it on and you're like a different entity. And I go, oh my God, I love that idea. So I became literally like 18 different characters in five seconds. <laughs> and after that, I did a stand-up comedy routine where um, I wrote a shtick about having a sister that had long, hairy armpits. <laughs> And that they were so long that when we ate breakfast, they would be in our pancakes and yada, yada, yada. And it was like the first time that I think I genuinely try to write something with my mom and it, it worked out good. And I just, what's the beauty about writing your own shtick is nobody knows if it's right or wrong. So if you mess up, you just keep going. But I think for me, the main thing was confidence. I just exuded a lot of confidence and that the time was now and that I walked in owning this is my moment. No one's taking it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you finally get the part. And I believe the first few seasons were shot in Orlando right before they moved to LA. So did you just pretty much move the entire family to Orlando for that? It was just my mom and I, it was just my mom and I. So I went to Orlando. We kept my apartment in New York for a little bit. So I was, I was doing the bi-coastal thing. <laughs> um, and you know, I wasn't, I was gone for just a couple months, but you know, I literally was there for half of the year in New York for half of the year. And we knew that when we set foot on that stage, that the show was magic. And we knew that this wasn't going to just be a one-time bing, bang, bada, boo, that we knew there was going to be longevity. Oh, yeah. And, um, I, I just basically had to fasten my seatbelt, but living in Orlando was the best experience ever. <laughs> I love Florida, so. I'm from um, South Florida as well, so I'm, I have an affinity towards Florida, but not many people like the humidity, you know, there's, it's a little bit different in North Florida as opposed to South Florida, as you probably know, so I'm just my curious. My favorite place is Key West. Oh, Key West is amazing, yeah. I love yeah. Key West. It's the only place I don't need a clock and I don't need a phone. That's how I feel. I just want a Corona, a key lime pie, and a conch fritter, and I'm good to go. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's this nationwide search, and then you all kind of just come together. Do you remember that first time? I don't know if it was, a, you know, a table read, or you finally met the rest of the cast, Keenan and Kel, yeah. you know, Lori Beth. You know, what was that like? Was it intimidating? Was it like, you know, I've arrived? I was so nervous. I, I literally got off the plane and brought straight to set. I was so tired. And, uh... I don't know if I was brought straight to set or like the next morning I was brought to set and I met everyone in, in this trailer bunker where we did our schooling. So people like had headphones on with their Walkmans yeah. and beep. I had a beeper, you know, <laughs> I was cool. And, um, literally, and literally, you know, I remember cause I didn't know what anyone looked like, you know, we didn't yeah. have social media, <laughs> so I couldn't check out somebody's Instagram page. <laughs> So I'm like, can I see a headshot? Like, you know, a black and white headshot? Because I think my headshot literally was black and white at the time. And yeah, I just thought, you know, oh my God, everybody's so cute and fun and cool. And I automatically gravitated towards Katrina and Angelique. And from day one, Lori Beth was like big sister. And to this day, she's just big sister still, especially when we do Kiki and Fran. Oh my God. We're going to get to Kiki and Fran. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. I love every minute of it. And then the boys, they were just the brothers like I never had, you know, and to this day, we're all still really close. And it, it is a bond we will never, ever, ever forget because it's like that old saying, well, I knew you win. You know what I mean? So yeah. You're kind of stuck with us for a certain aspect of life, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think like SNL, there's certain a certain fraternity, maybe there's a better word for it, about going through that process, about being at, you know, on all that or being on SNL, where it's just like, no matter what time you're there, you're just bonded for life. Even if you didn't work with someone, maybe you weren't there the same season. Yeah. It's like a little imprint left to a certain extent. Yeah. That little core, that little frequency for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I believe mm -hmm. you worked with Amanda Bynes for one season, maybe. Is that right? I did. She's a sweetheart. Oh, God. I loved her mom and dad and her sister and everybody. Just They were just a sweet family. And, and I worked with her as a, I think, I don't know how old she was, like 10? Probably, yeah. I don't even remember. She was so young. But just a spunky little ball of light. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Just, 
ready to go. And I just wish her so well right now and, and send her love and light and high vibes. Was it, I'm curious, cause you know, like SNL where there's a bunch of writers on staff and they're coming up with sketches, how much of the show was just scripted and it was just on you to perform? Did you have input into certain sketches that you may wanted to see? What was the collaborative process like with the cast and the writers? I mean, I think a lot of it, of course, was inspired by us, but there was a lot of premeditated characters created, right? So, but then after them seeing our crazy antics in between moments, hence how Kiki and Fran were created and hence how other characters were created because they saw our dynamic. So I would say the writers were always open as were the producers with us ad-libbing and adding our own, what I like to say, je ne sais quoi to certain <laughs> aspects. But overall, you know, there wasn't too much that we also needed to add because they really had some amazing ideas. Oh, yeah. So you add all of us to that, it just, like I said, was just an awesome magic pot that was brewed that made sense to come back now in present time. Yeah. Did you have a favorite, you know, musical guest that came on the show? Because there were so many, you know, A Tribe Called Quest, I think Run DMC made an appearance, oh, Usher, yeah. Brandy, obviously. You know, was there somebody you were just awestruck to meet? I loved meeting TLC. I'll never forget it because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was in the pit of my teens being a New Yorker. Yeah. And being from the East Coast, because I'm the only one that was cast out in New York. So I got to hold it down for my New York people. No pressure at all whatsoever. Um, I was already into like hip hop and R&B and reggae and alternative music as well. And of course, some pop. And of course, I love dance music and stuff. But I already went into all that knowing who some artists were. But there was a plethora of artists that I was like, I don't know who these people are. Yeah. But I want to know who these people are. So like meeting Usher or meeting TLC, and then later then seeing their success. I was like, ah, like to only have known, you know? Yeah. But TLC, Left Eye, well, I will never forget, I did a scene in the pilot called Leap Froggy Frog, where I played a host for like an MTV show or whatever. And the girls, Keenan was in the scene, he played a big fly. <laughs> and the girls came out like, I don't know, little flies or whatever. <laughs> and, and basically, um, I remember left eye, she was wearing something in her hair and she, she gave it to me and she goes, keep this. And I have it somewhere in my storage and I'll just never forget because they were just so real. And, and what you saw with them as a group is who they literally are as a group. Wow. Yeah. And the same with every artist they came on. I mean, I would say Craig Mack, when he met my mother, the rapper, <laughs> He, 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 he was like, your mom is your mom manager. And don't you ever say she's wrong. Cause that's your mom and she loves you and yada, yada. And cause everybody loved my mama. Everybody at backstage was hanging out with my mama. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favorite, I know we talked about musical guests. Did you have a favorite like guest star that came on the show, whether it be an actor or celebrity or somebody else that made a guest appearance on the show? Anyone that stands uh, out? I have a couple. Mark Curry was like the first that, you know, we had like, you know, uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and then he was a blast. But then then later on, I got a chance to work with Chris Farley, which was oh. so freaking iconic. Yeah, the goat. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and when I saw him, he did a one taker scene because <laughs> it was the Randy and Mandy where, I mean, don't give you don't give him chocolate because <laughs> he... I mean, oh my God, I don't know how they cleaned it. There was, it was on the lights. He was just going crazy. <laughs> it was everywhere. And I remember after the scene, we were all laughing. And then there was a moment of silence, like, not in on cleaning it, you know. <laughs> but, and then afterwards, he actually invited us as a cast to go to um, a screening. I was trying to figure out what movie it was. A screening of, of one of his movies. I feel like it was where he was a ninja. Oh, a ninja. I have to research that. I feel like he was a ninja in something. Okay. I know it sounds funny, but he was, I think. Oh, <laughs> God, don't quote me. And we went to a screening of one of his movies, and he invited us to an after party. And, I, you know, we all walked a red carpet, and we're teenagers, and we are just like, this is so cool, you know? So, yeah, moments like that you'll never forget. 
Do you kind of realize the impact you were making between seasons once it was starting to air or no, were people coming up to you? I know celebrity culture was a little bit different back then. Did you get recognized often or, or was it kind of like you were just putting things out there? You didn't know how it was doing and how people were perceiving it. Well, back it. then we had like the team bop tiger beat magazines and all that fun stuff and, and the team magazines. So we were in those, which was awesome, but we did a lot of what's called meet and greet events. So for instance, because we're part of the Nickelodeon Viacom family, sometimes they would fly us out and we did press junkets where we would just be interviewed by a plethora of, of press and then get a chance to sign autographs and meet fans. But then also what I loved was our schedule uh, with all that back then was like a Monday through Friday, Monday table read, Tuesday, Wednesday rehearsed and you have producers and network, you know, watch everything and make sure they get a laugh, you know, where the laugh <laughs> yeah. needed. And then Thursday you would shoot what you don't shoot in front of an audience and Friday you shoot some stuff and then you shoot some scenes in front of an audience on Friday with the, with the musical performance. So you have an audience. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I feel like then what we had, which was really cool is afterwards the audience would be able to come and meet all of us. We would be lined up on uh, sitting at tables and we would sign autographs of like a cast picture. And we gave out a cast picture for free of us in black and white. I think it's somewhere like on Google images. Yeah. You can see it. And uh, we would sign autographs and have a chance to handshake and take some photos with their Kodak cameras yeah. and their Polaroids <laughs> the or whatever, yeah. the click, click camera and, and get a chance to interact. So that's the one thing that I do miss because now, even though it's great to have social media uh, and virtually connect, I do miss the, the, the in-person connections, especially everything that's happening now with the, the pandemic and whatnot, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, back then it was everything was autographs, pictures, going up to people, yeah. kind of literally like putting a face to a name. And nowadays it's just like, hey, can I get a DM from someone? It's, it's completely different how it's changed. Hold on, Alisa. Give me a minute to tell my listeners about Plexiderm. Summer is over and fall is upon us, unfortunately. With so much changing, it's increasingly difficult to find that extra time for you. The time that you need to take care of yourself and look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you could look 10 years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. You could try a six application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE. Again, that's triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. Make those wrinkles, lines just disappear with Plexiderm. And now, back to the show. So different. It's almost kind of like you have to remember to take a break from the 3D matrix and kind of recharge and regroup, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I have to ask you, you know, there's so many amazing sketches that you were a part of, of course, you know, Kiki being one of them, but did you have a favorite sketch that you weren't a part of? I just know for me, you know, the Ask Ashley sketch with Amanda Bynes, where she would, you know, read a letter and then destroy the person that wrote it or, you know, Keenan's Pierre Escargot in the bathtub. Did you have a favorite sketch yourself on the show? Yeah, I think Vital Information was one. It's funny because I think at the beginning, uh, it was written for me originally. And then oh, Lori really? Beth ended up doing it. And then they created um, a couple of other, you know, characters later down the road for all of us individually. Because, you know, there's always something that all of us are like, gosh, that would be fun to do. And I'm sure the boys felt the same way about all of us doing cross characters. But I mean, I feel like in life, you're given what's meant for you. So even though it would be great to experience all those other characters, I feel like exactly what was bestowed upon us, which, you know, was some awesome characters all individually placed, was meant exactly in our path. But yeah, Vital, Pierre would have been fun. I thought, yes, Ass Ashley would have been hilarious. That's me. That would have been so fun to do. And then even looking at the boys, like, hey, let's do a girl version of, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how we can make Ed sound cute with a girl version, but from Good Burger. Edita? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I got real Latina right there, but... <laughs> I know it, it spawned so much, right? With Good Burger just being a sketch on all that, that became its own full-fledged movie. You know, obviously oh, yeah. the Amanda show being birthed from all that. It kind of just led, like SNL, right? All these different sketches kind of lead to different movies. It became a breeding ground for numerous different IP of, you know, Nickelodeon content. Yes, without a doubt. You know, um, that's what's great about Disney and Nickelodeon. I'm blessed to be able to work with both networks is that, you know, they, they take a seed and they, and they extend the olive branch and they open Pandora's box and they open so many doors for 
talent that's new, talent yeah. that's maybe even um, influencers, talent that maybe never would have had an opportunity to surface. That's why there's so many pros about social media as long as we use it carefully yeah. and you know respectfully. Uh, but with that being said, yeah, I would definitely say uh, with all that, grew good burger grew like you said amanda show and 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 the rest was you know history and now back to season 11 i mean it's really surreal that gets you right to my next question is what is it like you know being back with Lori beth and being asked to come back and you know reprise your role as kiki and you know meeting the new cast members and having these so-called you know reunions with all members of the cast what has it been like this entire process it's like we never left set it's like really? we never left set i mean we, we Lori Beth and I knew that maybe they were going to write something. We were just waiting. You know what I mean? And, and when we got it, I was so nervous reading the sketch. I was like, How, what's going to happen? How are we going to do this? And we didn't know until we got it who we were going to pass the torch down. And the door still open that of course we could still pop by and visit, but like Kiki and Fran got some stuff to do. It's been a minute. We were on the Island for a while, even though I feel like it was hilarious um, getting ready, not to segue out of this uh, question, but getting ready to like try on the costume for Kiki. Cause I was like, am I still going to fit in this? But of course it wasn't the same outfit, but they did great finding identical ones for both of us. It was oh, yeah. hilarious. Definitely. I, I had to get some extensions in my ponytails. <laughs> my hair wasn't as long as I was when I was a teenager. <laughs> and I think Kiki had a little eyelashes. I didn't have eyelashes back then. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, doing Island Girls was awesome. And then I'm also being able to do new characters on top of past existing. And that's what's fun. I loved playing Miss Wigglebomb Flores where I got slimed, which of, I was like, of course, they're going to slime me. Of course. <laughs> and it was everywhere. And it was a mess. And I would do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking all my future questions here, but one I had is just watching the sketch of you as the uh, Girl Scout troop leader giving out those random buttons. Oh, the, uh, you know, the foot in the pudding, you know, yeah. badge. Oh, wow. That's one that I earned when I was 11 years old. Too. Like yeah. that was just hysterical to watch. I just have to say. I literally, they kept changing to like live in front of the audience, <laughs> like, different badge names. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to mess up saying this. There were times where like I crossed badge names. I was like a TP iced tea badge. Like, I don't even know what I was saying. But they, the kids on the show, I just have to say, first off, it's amazing to know that the creator, Brian Robbins, is now the president of Nickelodeon. Yeah. And then we have people that are like original producers that are back EPing the show, like Kevin Kay. We have now Keenan and Kel producing the show. All the way down to the writers, Kevin and Heath. And then all the way down to the original makeup artist, Michael. So... It's really on, it's amazing the loyalty yeah. that this tribe has created to allow us to be able to come back and help the new generation because I know the parents that were fans of our show now have kids that can watch it with them. And to me, like as an actor, you can't ask for anything else, anything else. And playing that role of the, the Girl Scout Troop Leader, <laughs> I think that was the first one I did because I still have another episode coming on that I'm going to be on later on this fall, was I was so nervous being on set because it was a second, you know, since yeah. I've been in this frequency. But seriously, when you put us together, it's like we never left. Yeah, it's like riding a bike, like, right? You just, you know, like you riding ride a up. bike. <laughs> but I think mm -hmm. you mentioned something really important, which is, you know, Brian Robbins, one of the creators of the show, now the president of Nickelodeon. This yeah. is why we're seeing all this come back, you know, and I think yeah. him, you know, leading the charge at Nickelodeon has been a huge impact of, you know, what we're seeing on screen and kind of bringing back. And I think it speaks to the culture of all that, like you mentioned, of, you know, keeping that core intact of, you know, keeping its roots with the original cast. It's why that it's, you know, spanned over a decade. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's done some great stuff. I mean, he originally came from a show called Head of the Class that he was a star in, of course. And then later he you know, decided to write and produce and he did Smallville and so many other, you know, movies and TV shows. So, you know, it just made sense for it to come back, you know, and, and at the end of the day, there's so much room, you know, there's so much room. A lot of people go, Oh my gosh, they're weird with change. But I was like, listen, you see these kids, you're going to embrace them because the new cast, honestly, it's like they're a little fresh breaths of air they're incredible and they kind of remind me a little mini versions of us yeah and if anything but they're their own entity you know they're they're nothing like us but there's a similarity at the same time and 
um, they're all going to go off and do amazing things. And I just can't wait to see what their journeys, you know, have in store. A hundred percent. And I think it's a good point to transition to another property that's been revived, of course, now at Disney Channel, which is, you know, the Proud Family, Proud Family, Prouder and Louder, I think it's uh, yeah. going to be called. Uh, when did you hear that this was possibly coming back? I knew about it. Um, I would say like last, last year, a little bit, uh, I couldn't say anything. So it was a really hard secret to keep yeah. and keeping it very like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but I knew that was another iconic show because especially now with everything that's going on in the world today, we need diversity. We need to talk about things, um, where people can relate to it but maybe it can be done in a light, fun way, you know, yeah. so you can get the family to sit down and maybe be educated upon some topics, but in a way that's going to be entertaining for the family. So this new version of the proud family, now that it's on Disney plus will be a little controversial in the aspect of maybe bringing new characters and talking about modern topics. Uh, we're now going from like one age to an age that's a little bit more like tween to teen. Oh, wow. Uh, we're going to have new characters. Uh, Kiki Palmer just I joined. I saw that. That's amazing. So exciting. I love her. She brings an amazing frequency. Um, and it's great to basically have like all that, the same whole family all together again. I can't see anyone else doing any of the voices other than the people that do the voices, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and I can't wait to see what you guys have, you know, what we have in store because, oh, my Lanta, we have some amazing guest star appearances from some big names that are really just going to make your mind blown. <laughs> I, I really cannot wait for this. And seeing the Kiki Palmer casting, I'm like, oh my God, this cast is already loaded. Like, what are they even doing now? It's, it's loaded. It's loaded. insane. And especially, you know, not to put a more somber note, but with everything going on right now, I think there's a unique opportunity to tell certain stories, you know, to the next generation. And I'm really yeah. excited with what they do with it. It's going to be great. It's going to be worth the wait. Unfortunately, I don't have a release date, but it's going to be so worth the wait. Remember, guys. You got to record it. Then they got to make the animation. <laughs> so it's a whole process. <laughs> but, you know, and then, of course, everything that's transpiring in the world, things got like, you know, everything in Hollywood kind of was on a standstill. So now things are finally, by the grace of God, surfacing that we can continue from where we left off. But we're we're getting there. And I really feel when it comes out, it's just yeah. going to be the perfect time. And right, it's the right antidote at the right moment. You know, everything happens for a reason. That's my analogy. Exactly. And animation is the one thing you can be doing. I know things are starting to get back into production, but you know, it's nice to have an animated series. I feel, I feel blessed about voiceover work for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have to say, you know, the proud family was so ahead of its time, even 20 years ago, just for, you know, I think most cartoons and even live action shows for kids you know, we portrayed families in these incredible houses with this incredible family life and kind of, you know, living beyond their means. And the Proud family was a family literally stuck in a cramped house with so many siblings and grandma and they have all this extended family staying with them and vying for the attention of your parents and your siblings and dealing with, you know, school bullies and dealing with everything that goes along with that, I think was so impactful back then. And it's amazing that it's 20 years old because I it know. stood out then, but it still stands out. Well, I think it came out a little ahead of its time, even though it's not ahead of its time, because I feel like the topics are always going to be relevant. But um, yeah. sometimes the illusion is ignored because it's an illusion and people don't acknowledge it. And then all of a sudden you crave it once it's gone. Hence why it's brought back because it's just, it was too good for it to not have been brought back. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Did you, I'm just curious, you know, for the character La Cienega, which I didn't know until I moved to LA that that was a street name. I'm just like La Cienega Boulevard is I'm like, Oh my God, it's La Cienega Boulevard from mom's sunset. You know, take a picture of me, like just standing underneath and like, that's me like cheesy. Right. Did you, did you know girls like La Cienega growing up? How did you get into that type of character of this, you know, comes off the, we know, we all know someone who comes off the parents and is like sweet and innocent person. And then, you know, once you take the parents away and you're now they're with the kids again, they become this obnoxious, not evil, but you know, definitely a little bit meaner. Sure. Did you know girls like this growing up? Well, you know, what transpired when I first auditioned for the show is I think, you know, they had envisioned her to be a specific way and I didn't want to put her in the box and have her be a stereotypical Latina with an accent. I wanted to have a little bit more of an Americanized voice because when you, for me in particular, I'm, I'm half Dominican. 
but I don't have an accent. I was born here in the States. Yeah. So they wanted her to be, you know, American and they wanted her to have some sort of, some sort of texture to her voice. And I said, well, instead of me giving her a traditional Latin accent, you know, can we maybe, maybe how about we make her sound like a valley girl, which I'll be honest with you, I'm Latin. And I live in California. So I go, that might work. So I kind of played around <laughs> with her talking a little bit in a higher frequency, more like, oh my God, energy. And yeah, of course, I know men and women that have that frequency. Uh, I think we've all met men and women that have had that frequency. But I will say that La Sienica, especially in our new season coming up, there is a shift and a transition. There's always going to be a moral and a principle at the end of the day. And even though La Sienica has her moments, she does learn her lesson and she does know better. So I think, um, you know, even though she is labeled as a sassy, strong-minded uh, person, she definitely is a warrior that at the end of the day will try to redeem herself and learn her lesson. So I got to, you know, at least defend her in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I think the show did such a good job of just showing the empathy where, you know, Penny was always so jealous of La Cienega thinking, you know, she's so beautiful. She's so smart. She has everything going for her. But we saw La Cienega to the other side of that was jealous of Penny. You know, she wanted the supportive and parents. And authentic. Exactly. It's like, you know, we're mirroring each other. We owe, like, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot in La Cienega that that penny has that she wants and vice versa so um i think any little boy or girl growing up with a group of friends there's gonna be so many different trials and tribulations and textures and layers and we all know what we went through growing up as teenagers whether you were in high school or homeschool or you know whatever and and this is just like that typical token group of friends that no matter what because dijon a2 also as well as the <laughs> moon fry who plays zoe we all add our own piece to the puzzle that at the end, it just still always comes together. Unlike, you know, live action animation, you know, shot most of the time just in a recording booth. You may not even see the other cast members, maybe until a rap party. Have you gotten the opportunity to kind of meet and interact with, you know, Cedric the Entertainer and Orlando Brown and Kyla Pratt and the rest of the cast or no? Yeah, I've got to meet a lot of my cast members, but right now with the pandemic, you know, we're recording privately. Um, but Overall, most voiceover work is just you and an engineer and a director. So, you know, um, when you have an opportunity to be with other actors, it's amazing because you can feed off their energy. And a lot of people yeah. don't realize voiceover work is a lot of work because as an actor, it's just my voice. So if I don't have another person to read off of, not only, you gotta bring it. Yeah, not only do I have to really make sure that I'm like 100% connected, but that, you know, my truth and my intentions are really set within what I say. So, um, you know, I'm blessed to have at least been able to say that I've been the only one that voiced La Cienica. And so being able to create her from scratch has been a blessing, like all of my other co-stars that have been that voice and only that voice. Because sometimes, you know, later in life, uh, you know, people get a chance to play the same voice in different actors. And we're all so blessed. That's another thing is I'm so blessed that all of us get to come back again. But I, like I said, I can't see anybody ever playing any of the other voices, you know? And so know. because of that, I brought that up because of that, that's that frequency we all individually created. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And, you know, both all that and the Proud family, I think get so much praise. And I'm sure you've probably talked about this a lot is just in terms of the diversity of both shows. And I think 20 years ago, you know, it stands out, but are you, it's a tough way to ask, but are you satisfied with the progress, you know, we've made in di with diversity now? Because it seems like given the Proud Family and all that casting, you know, diverse genders, diverse, you know, ethnicities, you would have thought 20 years later, we would see so much more. And I feel like the progress has really lagged. I'm just curious, you know, what do you have as somebody in the business working today? Do you see, are you hopeful of what's to come? I am hopeful because I'm not only an on-camera actor and a voiceover actor, but I also write and produce. And I'm personally working on content that's going to be a part of that um, shift and that change. Uh, I'm getting ready to do a project where, you know, half of it is, um, you know, half of it is of mixed diversity. It, as long as there is a balance, you know, a yin and a yang, a 50-50 situation, that's all we in humanity ask for is for what is fair and what is just, you know? So um, 
I do feel there has been a change, but yes, it's, it's been a slow, steady pace. I do feel we are as a nation in a massive ascension in a massive awakening moment, uh, which makes me emotional because, you know, I'm sure you can relate. No one in my family uh, can relate to what's transpiring. And, and there's people in my family that are pushing eighties and nineties. You know, no one's ever been through this. So all I can say is it's like Martin Luther King said, we shall overcome. And I feel just to get a little deep at the end of the day, despite whether there's enough diversity or not, despite what's fair or not, as long as you do your own inner work within, then the light will kind of, um, expand out into the universe because I'm big with law of attraction and hopefully whatever change you make in yourself will get exuded out into the world. And hopefully as, as a, as a mankind, we can just continue that shift as each day surpasses, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, that was, that was beautifully said. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, Alisa, I can't thank you enough for your time. I just wanted to end on five rapid fire questions okay. if you're ready. All right. Uh, any TV shows you're currently binge watching right now? Yes. Wretched. Yes, Ryan Murphy. Sarah Paulson, right? Oh, God, it's so good. Um, and then, oh, God, I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, on Netflix, it's like this barbecue master show. I'm in love. Yes, with I've been watching I'm it. so sad Shotgun went home. Why did Shotgun go home? <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, you know, with the new, you know, Proud Family, you know, Disney Plus series. But if La Cienega was now an adult... What do you see for her, you know, then? What do you what do you think she's doing? What do you think she, you know, she does as a career? How would you project her life, you know, 20 years? I think she's definitely a boss woman. She's kind of a CEO of her own company, riding her bad car and uh, and wearing her power suits, but I think she gets to finally come home to that amazing husband with those kids. <laughs> and even though she can be a little bit of a diva at times at the end of the day, what you don't know is she actually meditates. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> and that's basically my life in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Very method acting there, right? Very method acting. <laughs> uh, did you, I know you mentioned this earlier, but how often do you get slimed at the Orlando Nickelodeon studios? All I can say is Lori Beth Denberg and Josh Server and I got tied to the geyser that went off every 30 oh minutes God. and poor Josh had bronchitis and I was excited because <laughs> like I, my mom let me go hang out with like some cute boy at the time and uh, Lori Beth was just like, let's just do this and it would not stop and we were like tackled to it and then let's just say at the end of it all, the green, because it was green slime at the time, yeah. new one's orange. It just didn't come out from anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it was totally worth it, and I would do it all over again. <laughs> was there hazing new cast members, or was that not a thing? Oh, I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I'll try to get you there. Okay. I saw what the Nickelodeon studios look like now. And it looks nothing like it did. It just looks like some abandoned warehouse, abandoned office building. But it was so iconic, just the image that they would show at the end of each episode of just what the Nick Studios look like down there in Orlando. I know it's different. I signed the petition. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I feel like it's important to have kind of like a little sanctuary. So hopefully something positive will transpire. If not, whatever we have here in L.A., which I know they've really expanded their offices and all that stuff where we yeah. shoot our show. They have great memorabilia around and stuff, but I know there's nothing like the nostalgicness of Orlando, Florida. So whether it comes back or not, let's just say it's imprinted in me forever and ever and ever as Kiki says. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they made it like a, what a national landmark or something. So they couldn't change any of it, but yes. you know what? It's, a shame. it's a shame. Uh, last one. If actually I got two more for you. Uh, did you have a favorite show as a kid yourself? Could be a Nickelodeon show, could be a Disney show, could be anything. Yeah, I mean, I think when I wasn't watching, of course, Nickelodeon, I was watching uh, Disney, which was like Kids Incorporated and Mickey Mouse Club, because a lot of people don't know that I auditioned for Mickey Mouse Club, had a callback, and really? I was up for it. Yeah, and and I was auditioning up against Britney Spears. She did backflips. I didn't. That's okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you could have been the next Britney Spears. You don't know what could have happened. Because okay, I'm Elisa Reyes and there's only one Britney and I love her and she's adorable. And so, um, you know, my alignment was to go to Nickelodeon. But look, I'm, I'm on Disney. So I get the best yes. of both worlds. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, I think, you know, just I loved cartoons. So, you know, uh, like, uh, like, what's the show? DuckTales. Loved DuckTales. Oh, my God. DuckTales. DuckTales. Yes. Woo. <laughs> 
<laughs> and of course, Sesame <laughs> Street and uh, shout out to Reading Rainbow, which I was on when I was a kid. I have a cute little snippet of it on my like Instagram. And Take a I, look. Yeah. It's in a book. <laughs> and, yeah. Reading Rainbow. So all those iconic shows, you know? 100%. Uh, last one. If, uh, if we gave Kiki the Island Girl her own spinoff and maybe each episode, you know, we spoofed another famous TV show or movie where someone's stuck on islands. So what if we did one episode or maybe, you know, Tom Hanks from Castaway is there with Wilson, you know, the volleyball and Kiki, or we don't with the lost cast, you know, crashing on the island and there's Kiki. What do you think of this idea as maybe like a short sketch? You know, we kind of go through all the different major pop culture moments with, uh, you know, desert islands. Oh my God, I love it. We can call it Kiki's <laughs> Adventures. There we go. There we go. Great work shopping on this one. We should totally do it. Love it. I mean, I think Kiki's iconic. And um, uh, what's great about that sketch in particular is Lori Beth and I, we literally are like that. But at the same time, we love each other at the same time. So we have this really fun little energy together. And when you put us together on stage, it's just so magical. And it's, it's funny, during this 25th anniversary, her and I really bonded a lot. And we came out of there even stronger than ever. And it just felt like, a perfect, I don't want to say closure because the door's still open that we could still return, but um, it was just a perfect moment to just give a little love to uh, the love of our show and for the fans, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Alisa, I can't thank you enough for your time. I cannot wait for the new Proud Family, you know, Disney Plus series. So I'll be watching for sure. Yeah, and I just wanted to say, you know, later on this year, I have a film coming out called Break Even. Release date's coming out probably very soon. Everything got pushed a little bit due to the pandemic. So thanks for patiently waiting. And then I have a film called The Orange Years, which is a documentary about 80s and 90s Nickelodeon nostalgia that I'm in and that I produce. What? And everyone really? you can imagine is in that documentary. So shout out oh to God. Scott uh, Barber, who's the director of it. And yeah, you know, Mark Summers in it, Melissa Joan Hart, most of my crew from all that's in it, Keenan and Cal, Josh and Lori Beth, Danny Tamborelli. You don't oh want to miss God. this. And then, you know, last but not least, I have a couple songs on digital platforms, like, you know, iTunes and Spotify. So follow me on alisareyes.com and just sending you love and light and high vibrations and be safe. I'd like to thank my guest, Alisa Reyes, for coming on the podcast. Next week, we're going to be joined by one of the flat-out greatest voice actors of all time, Rob Paulson. This interview was just incredible. I really could not get a lot of words in because he would just go off on these incredible stories, talking about what his characters have meant to people, of fans coming up to him. He's got such an interesting perspective. He couldn't be more humble about his entire career and all these characters who really became phenomenons and really took on a life of their own from his voice. So stay tuned for that next week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.